Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Sometimes it's hard for our learners to understand what they may have done wrong and how they can do it better. One way to help them understand is with a contingency map. But what is an ABA contingency map and how can it benefit our learners? So our life is full of contingency maps. You know, drive fast, go through a red light, talk on a cell phone while you drive, you get a ticket sometimes. Um, drive safe and your insurance doesn't go up. Um, you know, be at work on time so that you're not fired. Do your homework so that you don't have to endure the wrath of your teacher. Call your mother on a regular basis. Okay, or else. Mine. Or else. <laughs> there are always consequences. So how do we use these kind of consequences in ABA? Um, we use them very often in two ways. One is as a reflection of something that may have happened in the past, or um, it could also be a way of priming, priming what might happen. Um, contingency maps are a way to show like a visual representation of two options. So if it's something that happened in the past as a reflection, we might be showing our students what happened based on some sort of trigger or antecedent and how we could make it better next time. So when I think contingency map, the very first thing you do is you put a situation down the page. It's usually in the middle of the page, but off to the left-hand side. And you have the situation. So the situation might be, um, I'm sitting in class and the kid beside me makes a joke or, you know, the teacher presents a demand or, um, you know, my friend says, do this, whatever that situation is. And you put that on the left hand side, but in the middle of the page. And then what you would do is you would draw an arrow up. I typically draw a green arrow. So like the right way to do things. So a green arrow up. And I would say, you know, if this happens, then this, the, these are the positive things you can do, right? So, you know, if, you know, the kid beside you in school starts bugging you, what are some things you can do? So you can, you know, raise your hand, tell the teacher, you can say, um, please stop doing that. You know, you can ignore the student, whatever that is, right? And then from there, then it kind of goes over. So, and if you do those things, 
how does it make the other person feel or how does, you know, what's in it for you if you do those things, right? So, you know, if you tell the teacher, if you say, please stop doing that, if you, you know, it really makes the teacher feel happy because it wasn't disruptive to the class, right? And, you know, those good things that happen are that the teacher can take care of it and the teacher can tell the kid beside you to stop doing that. And those are the types of things. So there's the green kind of up arrow. Uh, And then, you know, I usually put in a red down arrow and across the page, then I would write, here are some things, like here are things not to do. Now, keep in mind with some students, I actually don't do the red part because some of my students are like, oh yeah, what, I'm going to test it out. What what if I do the red part? Uh, and they really want to access that contingency. So if you've got any students like that, um, don't do the red part. But a lot of the times I will say like, you know, listen, like if you say, hey, knock it off to the person beside you, um, you know, the person then the person beside you might do it more because they're looking for that attention. Or if you say, um, you know, if you stand up and yell in class and, you know, do all these disruptive behaviors, then, you know, the teacher is going to, you know, think that you are the one who's being disruptive and the teacher is going to, you know, do this and this and, you know, maybe, you know, you're going to get extra homework or you're going to have to you go to the principal's office or whatever it is. Now, be careful because sometimes going to the principal's office is not punishment. It's actually a reinforcer because some kids love to get out of class. So just be careful of what you put in the green section or the red section. Um, but really, it's just a visual representation of what to do and not to do in those situations and what might happen if you do this or that situation. So very often um, in times that our kids are struggling or they might be showing some challenging behavior is really not the time to be teaching them what they should be doing. Um, and often we have staff and teachers who really mean well and want to tell them about why it wasn't right that they hit their friends or whatever else happened. And we try to encourage them to like not do that in the moment because it's not effective. It's not the time to be teaching. But using something like a contingency map is a great tool to give that teacher or that or that professional to be able to use with the student. And it can, it should be done at a time far away from the incident, not during, not after. The, the child should be completely calm and have cooled down from whatever happened. It could be the same day, it could be the next day. And it offers the opportunity to reflect. So I actually use it in a way to talk about what happened. This is what happened. And this is why it didn't really work out so well for you because you, this, you know, you didn't really get the toy you wanted or you got in trouble for what happened. So how can we do it differently next time? And I like to have the student come up with some solutions. They sometimes come up with things that I wouldn't have thought of. So it's a way to not just tell our kids what the expectation is and what they should be doing, but it's a great opportunity for conversation and they can articulate how they were feeling um, when that thing happened and how they would like to be feeling um, if they would go the green way. And you should let them articulate the things or the ideas that they have and how to make it better. And it provides a really great opportunity for them to participate in the solution instead of just being told what to do or what not to do. A really big aspect of this is to really find out what the function of behavior is as well. So it's not just about, okay, well, a kid is exhibiting these behaviors, so I'm going to put down a contingency map and it's going to work. Um, But the reason it is going to work is because you have done an assessment. You do understand what the function of behavior is, why 
is that student doing this? Or you're understanding some triggers. So when this happens, my student may engage in these behaviors. So making sure that you're understanding what is going on, what those triggers are to the negative behavior is massive. Uh, you have to find that out before putting in place a contingency map. And then as Shira said, you can use it as a reflection of, hey, here's what you could have done better. Um, but then in the future, if you can recognize some of these triggers, say for instance, you have an ABC chart or some type of antecedent log where you're recording, all the antecedent events that have triggered the negative behavior, you can take a look at that and you can write some contingency maps. And when a student is calm, not after they've engaged in negative behavior, but before they've engaged in the negative behavior, if they're going into a situation that you know may trigger negative behavior, you can pull out a contingency map or better yet, pull out a blank piece of paper and have the student write the contingency map with you and participate in that so that you can get their responses. It's not just you're doing this because I told you to do this. We're doing this because it's a conversation. And then if you are doing this ahead of time, the next step would be to role play as well. So it's not just something that's written down on paper, but let's act this out. Let's role play this. So if this situation happens, what could you do? Okay, great. Try that. Who, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the teacher or do you want to be the student? Which which one are you? And uh, role play that out a few times. And then you've got that piece of paper, that physical piece of paper that that student can bring into that situation. And A, it's a visual reminder. But B, maybe that piece of paper is just in the pocket, you know, in a pocket somewhere. And it's really just that safety blanket. And you can remind them, remember what we talked about. It's in your pocket. And it's just a physical reminder of what to do and what not to do. And it is so important to know what the function is because with any behavior change, we have to know what's reinforcing the behavior. And we have to include that in our contingency map. So if let's say the function for one of our students is escape, then we have to make sure that what we're drawing out on our contingency map is in line with that. So if they made the wrong choice and went the red way and still accessed escape, it's not gonna work. We have to show them how going the red way is not gonna get them out of what they want and how going the green way will get them out of what they want. You know, if you raise your hand and you ask nicely, then you get to leave early or wh whatever that is. We have to really tap into what is really reinforcing about the behavior, but we have to know about the behavior first. And even if we're using it as reflection of what happened, I would also do lots of role play. And I think I would role play because we're, we're telling them a new behavior, right? If they're used to getting their needs met by kicking, screaming or, you know, hurting somebody then we want them to do something different. They need to practice it. So if we're telling them, instead of hitting the friend beside you, you can raise your hand and ask for a break, then they have to practice that. And we have to do that enough times so that they're accessing reinforcement enough times for the new behavior um, and including lots of role play in that context as well. We have lots of information and data sheets and program on how to use role play to teach certain skills. So check that out in the membership. In summary today, we discussed what an ABA contingency map is and how to utilize it with your learners. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.